President Biden gives a nationwide address on COVID-19 and tells the American people, maybe we can have a barbecue around uh, Independence Day if we're actually, you know, good boys and girls. Do we need his permission to do that? I'm pretty sure we don't. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. We've been asking when we would hear from President Biden in recent weeks. He's been largely evading the press. He doesn't really seem to believe in leading from the front. So that's why when he gave his address last night, a lot of people were expecting that he would perhaps rally the country, that it would be a moment for him to try to inspire people, bring us all together, explain the better, brighter future we're heading toward. But it really was more like watching a funeral I mean, that's what it sounded like he was actually doing during this speech. Talk about how awful things are. We know, Joe, we've been living here too for the last 12 months. We're aware of the deaths from COVID. We're aware of the pain, the misery, the lockdowns. We're looking for leadership now to get us back to normal life. And if you thought that you were going to see a Biden administration that accepts reasonable risk parameters for the American people and that actually tries to balance liberty and individual choice with public health measures, as Dr. Fauci calls them. Well, you got another thing coming. Here's what Biden said about when you might be able to have a barbecue with your family. Because here's the point. If we do all this, if we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, We'll be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. What's a small group, Joe? I mean, if you're going to micromanage our lives, can you at least give us the exact numbers here? People are already doing this all over the country, as you well know. People are actually seeing their family members. In many cases, they've been seeing them for the entirety of the last 12 months. But if you do everything he tells you, maybe you'll be able to, in July, that's a number of months off from here, isn't it? Maybe you'll be able to actually have a barbecue outside, by the way, with a small group of people. Not a big group. Can't really enjoy normal life. Can't can't go back to normal. No, not till Biden and the experts tell you that you can. Is this what we really signed on for? Remember when it was two weeks two weeks to slow the spread. And then it was just wait two more weeks and two more weeks. And then it was two months and then it was six months and then it was 12 months. And we did all these things. We did lockdowns in major cities. We've been wearing masks. Mask compliance is through the roof. You know, you don't see a lot of statistics on mask compliance anymore because it's so high and yet so are cases and hospitalizations and deaths. Gee, I guess it wasn't the panacea that they insinuated it was about two months into this pandemic when Dr. Fauci changed his mind, because you remember about a year ago, he said that mask wearing for the general public was unnecessary. It'll just make people feel better, but it doesn't really do anything. Oh, but then he changed his mind. Then the Democrats changed their mind because there are some of us who are realizing that science doesn't move that quickly without an actual evidentiary basis. Something was up. And that then brings us to the current bargain, if you will, that they offer. Do everything that we say, don't question us, and maybe, maybe we'll allow you to start to go back to normal life. Here, here's Biden saying that the only way that we can go back to normalcy is when we beat the virus. Play it. For all of you asking when things will get back to normal, here is the truth. 
The only way to get our lives back, to get our economy back on track, is to beat the virus. You've been hearing me say that for while I was running and the last 50 days I've been president. But this is one of the most complex operations we've under, under, ever undertaken as a nation in a long time. Beat the virus. What does that mean? What does that actually look like? Have we been beating the virus? This winter, including the two months of the Biden presidency so far, are, are, we, are we beating the virus with these lockdown measures and mask mandates? Or are we just getting to a point where we've had tens of millions of Americans infected, millions are now getting the vaccine, the vaccines do work very well, thank God, and that's where we are. No, it's just listen to them. Listen to the double masking cries. Listen to the wash your hands annoyances, as if we need to be told this for the millionth time. No, some states are going back to normal life, and that's a problem for Democrats because the blue states that are clinging to this paranoia are going to look increasingly absurd. So that's why they have to get it from the very top. Joe Biden's telling everybody, listen to me or else. They'll put the restrictions back. He even said so in his speech. He also had a whole lot of creative rewriting of history, if you will, about what the Trump administration did before him. Remember, it was the Trump administration that froze international travel, that shut down flights from China. It was the Trump administration that got started with Operation Warp Speed more than a year ago. At the very start of 2020, they were looking at Operation Warp Speed because they realized what we were facing. And thanks to the vaccine, we actually have a way out of this. But notice, they won't admit that the vaccine and herd immunity, which also comes from existing infections out there, that that's the way through it, is if we listen to their public health guidance. That's what's really going to save us. This is lunacy now. The data does not support it. Common sense, reason, look around you. Do the Fauciites actually have anything they can point to that suggests that they were right? No, they just keep changing the subject. They'll tell you, for example, that the CDC always assumed that mask mandates would have a 1.5% rate of reduction of cases over a 60-day period. 99 out of 100 cases basically still happening, even with everybody wearing masks. Does that sound like that's what they promised you? I just, I want to ask you that question. Does that sound like what we were told by Fauci and the other little fascist dictators that run around him as the scientists? I don't think so. And if you really need to understand the full scope of how much we've been lied to, how much we've been gaslit, just remember that the Biden administration won't really say the truth about schools, which is that they should, based on science, data, and reasonable viewpoint of what's actually happening, be open now. Not next month, not next fall, now. In fact, schools never should have closed. Here's what Joe Biden was mumbling last night off the prompter. Play it. Watching a generation of children who may be set back up to a year or more because they've not been in school because of their loss of learning. It's the details of life that matter the most. And we miss those details. The big details and the small moments. Weddings, birthdays, graduations. All the things that needed to happen but didn't. What about school, Joe? Democrats keep fighting. They keep saying we're going to open up the schools and then we find out, well, one day a week or, you know, when they have new ventilation systems in all the public schools across America or when the teachers unions decide 
wait a second, we don't have to go into the office, we get our full pay, we get our full benefits? Guess what? They want to keep that going. And the Democrats don't want to upset them. So the, the children suffer, and they suffer terribly. Child self-harm, child suicide has gone up over the course of the pandemic. And there's a direct correlation between being isolated from one's peers and not having any sense of structure or support and the deep psychological harm as well as the academic harm that's being done to kids across the country. Not to private school kids, not I can assure you to, you know, Biden's grandchildren or anybody else in the Democrat party who likes to give you speeches, condescending ones at that about how we all are in this together. No, we're not. We can see that based on who's actually suffering and who really cares and who wants this stuff to end. They were not able to beat the virus. We did it their way. We took the Fauci approach. The Democrat panic mongers won. And then we all saw what happened. Thank God there's Florida. So at least we have one control group, to borrow from the science, for how this was not necessary. This was not the only way. All right, up next, we'll have more analysis on this from Sebastian Gorka of his show, America First. Stay with us. You never thought COVID-19 could cost you your home, right? Well, it just might. Cybercrime overall is up 75%. Start with that fact. And by far the most serious cybercrime when it comes to your home is home title theft. That's right, cyber criminals, foreign and domestic, are now after our homes, and it's a lot easier than you'd think. The title documents to our homes are online now. The thief finds your home's title and forges your signature on a quitclaim deed, stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans on your home and leaves you in debt. You won't know until late payment or eviction notices arrive. Insurance doesn't cover you, and neither do common identity theft programs. That's why I protect my home with Home Title Lock. The instant Home Title Lock detects someone tampering with my home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim of this crime and don't even know it yet. Then use code RADIO to receive 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Last night, President Biden showed once again he's not really Mr. Unity after all. In his first primetime address to the nation, Biden took some shots at former President Trump, of course. He slammed him for his handling of the pandemic while appearing to take credit for the previous administration's work in actually fighting the virus. Tonight, I'd like to talk to you about where we are. As we mark one year since everything stopped because of this pandemic, a year ago, we were hit with a virus that was met with silence and spread unchecked. Denials for days, weeks, then months. That led to more deaths, more infections, more stress, and more loneliness. Well, friends, we've got a glimpse of what the next four years are going to look like. Our Commander-in-Chief shamelessly attempting to rewrite history. Here to weigh in, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, host of America First radio show, podcast, YouTube channel. Good to see you, Dr. G. Great to see you, Buck, as ever. It was pretty grim last night listening to the President of the United States, this President of the United States, explaining uh, his view of what's happened. We can get into some of the lack of accuracy and all that in a second, but first I just wanted to point out that the, the Biden approach here seems to be that if we listen to him, everything will get better. If we don't, they might actually have to put restrictions on us again. It almost kind of feels like they're going to move the goalposts on us, Dr. G. 
How strange. I wonder if that's ever happened before. There's somebody I know who has a podcast. I think his name rhymes with truck, who's going to call his episode uh, Biden's Suicide Note for America. And I told him that's an amazing title because it was so dark, so grim. And then he told us at the end of his five targets for his five demands that you better get vaccinated. Well, guess what, sleepy, creepy Beijing Biden? I, for one, am not getting vaccinated. Just like Donald Trump, my old boss, I got COVID, I crushed COVID, and you're not forcing me to do anything. So you're right. It was either all this, the dark, dark days ahead, or the, you better do what I'm telling you, not a good speech. He also said that, of course, we got to trust the government. I want to have you react to this moment. We know what we need to do to beat this virus. Tell the truth. Follow the scientists and the science. Work together. Put trust and faith in our government to fulfill its most important function, which is protecting the American people. No function more important. We need to remember the government isn't some foreign force in a distant capital. No, it's us, all of us. First of all, it does seem like a foreign force in a distant capital because they've got it surrounded with barbed wire fences and thousands of troops because of the QAnon coup that's never actually going to happen. We'll start with that. But also uh, the notion that we should trust government and that they know, being Biden, the Democrats, anybody in government, to be honest with you, how to defend us this far into the pandemic, Dr. G. It just seems like this is a departure from reality, as if we haven't gone through 12 months of what they've been telling us we have to do. Yeah, let, let's start with that first time. That, that's the one that most shocked me and, and, and aggrieved me yesterday. You can't treat Washington, D.C. as a foreign capital in a foreign nation. Well, guess what it is? I live here. The swamp has a 3.2-mile, 12-foot-high, razor-wire-tipped fence with 6,000 National Guard defending it right now. The new Secretary of Defense, Biden Secretary of Defense, whose name he couldn't remember, just extended the mandate for another two months. It's already cost the American people $500 million buck to have that east-west Berlin, Berlin wall in the middle of our capital. By the way, from a Secretary of Defense who, when he was nominated in front of the Senate, called members of the U.S. Armed Forces the enemy, and we still had Republicans vote for him. So, A, he was lying about that. And B, he lauded the scientists. Listen to the science. He even mentioned Fauci by name. But he didn't talk about the fact that the vaccine he plugged for more than 10 minutes in that speech was only available to Americans of any political stripe because of somebody called Donald J. Trump. For the first time in history, not one vaccine, three vaccines created in the space of a year has nothing to do with sleepy, creepy Biden or any Democrat. Let's see what Biden Biden had to say about vaccines, Dr. G. He said there's a there's a hundred million. They've actually gotten beyond it. Here's what he said. When I came into office, you may recall, I said a goal that many of you said was that kind of way over the top. I said I intended to get 100 million shots in people's arms in my first 100 days in office. Tonight, I can say we're not only going to meet that goal, we're going to beat that goal. Now, it's, it's funny because I'm not a big math guy, Dr. G. It's probably why I work in media. But I can do the math on almost a million shots a day under the Trump administration before Biden took office, and then 100 days 
gets you to about 100 million. So, I mean, if they beat this by, let's say, 5 million or 10 million or something over 100 days, I know they're going to act like this is because of their extreme uh, skill in governance. But, I mean, this is absurd. They, 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 had, they didn't have a secret plan. We all know there was no secret Biden plan. Not only that, how about the fact that he lectured us, he harangued us over the need for truth. That woman I met in Philly who said, all I want is the truth. Biden can't even tell the truth about his own vaccination. He said, we didn't have a vaccine until I became president. That's a lie. You can look it up yourself. You can see the video of him being vaccinated while Donald Trump was the commander in chief. So even on one issue like that, he is incapable of telling the truth, Buck. Strikes me that this is going to continue to be a, a fight that we have to have, Dr. G. Are, are you optimistic now that the American people see through Fauciism, and as I like to tell everybody, are willing to tell the lockdowners to go Fauci themselves? <laughs> let me give you, as a child of the Cold War, let me give you an analogy to, to the period I grew up in. When, when did the dictatorial East become the most fragile ever, despite being a dictatorship? It was when residents in East Germany could receive the TV signals of their brothers, their cousins across the Berlin Wall in West Germany. They saw the ads for Coca-Cola, for the Mercedes-Benz, for the BMWs. And when they realized that their system is garbage, but right across the street, it's paradise, then the dictators started to lose control. When more and more people living in places like D.C., the swamp, California, uh, Massachusetts, understand how people are living in Texas, in Florida, when he said, oh, you'll be able to have a barbecue on July 4th, maybe. Well, guess what? Texas is doing it right now. When enough people realize how badly they have been lied to, then I think it's going to happen, Bob. Dr. Sebastian Gorka, host of America First. Dr. G, always a pleasure, sir. Good to see you. God bless. Thanks, Bob. Your stimulus checks are on the way, but don't get too excited. With tens of trillions in debt now on America's balance sheet, you're going to be paying for those checks one way or another. Trish Regan, host of Trish Intel, joins us next to explain. We're living in uncertain times these days, and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in is anything but predictable. The government is passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency. And many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. What could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. It's who I get my gold and silver from. Call them right now at 833-600-GOLD, 833-600-G-O-L-D. Well, this historic legislation is about rebuilding the backbone of this country and giving people in this nation, working people, middle-class folks, uh, 
People who built the country a fighting chance. That's what the essence of it is. President Biden signed his sweeping $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package. Already getting strong praise from his Democratic allies, of course, and the mainstream media. Take a look at some of the headlines, because, you know, journos speak truth to power. New York Times says, with relief plan, Biden takes on a new role, crusader for the poor. CNN writes, Democrats are using the COVID stimulus to fight stimulus inequality. The Wall Street Journal says Biden's $1.9 trillion Great Society remake. Hmm, that seems like it provokes more questions than it answers, doesn't it? Let's bring in Trish Regan, host of the Daily, Pod Crash, uh, Daily Podcast, Chris, Trish Intel, pardon me. Trish, is this a, a Great Society remake in some way? The uh, Democrats are all talking about how progressive this is now that it has passed. Hmm. You see, this is exactly what they, you know, you got to hand it to them, Buck. They're getting exactly what they want. They want mass transfers of wealth in this country. They want to be able to keep a lot of people just, just kind of there, right? Just do the little bit, just enough to get by while they accumulate more and more and more power. This is money we do not have. This is money we should not be spending right now. I mean, look, if you said to me, okay, 10 months ago, we needed this because they had just shut down the entire economy. I kind of get it. But right now, you know what? He says we're at war with the virus. Sure, we've been at war. And guess what? We're winning the war and we're now near the end of the war. So why are you spending the most money in modern history at a time when you don't really need it? And what kind of ramifications is that going to have? Aside from making sure that, you know, all of us, are gonna be paying this back forever and our kids are gonna be paying this back forever. And we're quite, quite, you know, realistically looking at a very inflationary environment in the future. Trish, I think that we could call it an indicator when Nancy Pelosi is really happy about a piece of legislation, there's cause for concern. Here's what she said about it. This is the most consequential legislation that many of us will ever be a party to. Who knows what the future may bring? But nonetheless, on this day, we celebrate because we are honoring a promise made by our president. And as we join with him in promising that help is on the way. The most consequential legislation ever. I mean, Pelosi's been in office almost longer than I've been alive, Trish. So that seems to be saying quite something. <laughs> yeah, it's saying a lot. It's saying, ah, we got some money now, finally, right? Um, and by the way, this was supposed to be just a down payment. So there may be some very, very uh, additional consequential legislation being worked on in the future. Look, um, this is a giant power grab by blue state. Let's be very clear. The states that are benefiting the most they are states like California and New York, right, which just shut down, didn't even try. You look at Florida, for example which did a heck of a job. And you know what, Governor DeSantis should be awfully proud of how he managed that because he was able to keep kids in school. He was able to keep businesses open. He was able to keep Disney World open through most of this while Disneyland over in California got shut down. It's really, I think, a great example, Buck, of how much policy really does matter in that you need to get out of the way sometimes, right? And so Gavin Newsom, Cuomo, the rest of them, they're in the way, Gretchen Whitmer, and now they're getting rewarded for it. They're going to get sizably more in the way of money from Uncle Sam. Let's also be clear, this really isn't entirely about coronavirus. I said a year ago, they had politicized coronavirus 
in an attempt to take down the administration. Well, now they are politicizing coronavirus in an attempt to have a massive wealth transfer. And again, it's just a down payment. This is the way of the future. They want big government. They want lots of spending. And they want to be able to bail out all these blue states that made bad decisions. Now, Trish, the financial implications of this, which I know you're, you're talking about right now, but specifically the possibility of inflation, what this is doing to the debt. I mean, when you look at that macro picture, we're at $28 trillion in debt. We have trillions of dollars of additional excess spending of the last 12 months that were not initially expected. We have lower economic productivity over that same period of time. How is this not turning into inflation? How is it that this won't turn into inflation in the future? That's a good question. I mean, if you look at the laws of economics, it certainly should translate into inflation, which is bad for everyday consumers, right? Because it means if you're saving money right now and you think you can retire in five years, you may not be able to retire because that $5 latte is suddenly going to be a $30 latte. Um, we'll see whether or not it creeps increasingly into consumer prices. You look at grocery store prices, they're up 3.5% in the month of February. Restaurant prices up 3.7% in the month of February. That's a lot. But what's been fascinating about the last couple of decades, Buck, is no matter how much money we've spent via money printing at the Federal Reserve, via programs like the $800 billion stimulus to nowhere from Barack Obama, no matter how much we've spent, we really haven't seen tremendous inflation in the real economy. You've seen it in things like the stock market, which interestingly actually exaggerates and increases, right? Exaggerates and increases the, the haves and have nots environment because those with money to invest in the stock market they do well those that are poor they get lots of handouts for government from government and then everybody else it's kind of in between like the working joes and jills that don't have a lot of extra money to invest they get squeezed that's the middle class squeeze that the democrats and the fed have inadvertently created and contributed to in massive ways and i foresee that continuing to happen Chuck Schumer uh, asked this of Mitch McConnell. I wanted to let you hear it and then let you respond on, on behalf, perhaps, of Senator McConnell, or at least from the same perspective. Play it. What part doesn't he like? Does he not like giving checks to people who need help? Does he not like opening the schools safely? Does he not like uh, vaccines? That's more than half the bill, those three things. Is he against any of those? And then there's much else in the bill, feeding people who need food, pray, helping people not be evicted from their apartments. So, or uh, their homes. Uh, this bill is aimed at the problems that COVID created. The senior senator from New York asking that question, Trish, just wanna know what you can, a you can answer on behalf or, or in place of, I should say, Mitch McConnell. What do you not like in this bill? Really, really? You're gonna turn me into Mitch McConnell, Buck. Gee, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Let me just answer on behalf of any sane American that actually looks at this thing and looks at the numbers, okay? When you peel back all the political um, insanity and you look at what's actually there, take education, for example. He's talking about, well, we need this money to reopen schools. They've put aside $159 billion for schools. What's going to be used this year in 2021? $9 billion. So the other $150 billion is being spaced out over the next seven years. So how is it that we need $159 billion to open schools this year? unless you're telling me you're not going to open them for another seven years. I mean, really and truly, they say this is about coronavirus, but, but as I said to you earlier, it's not about a coronavirus issue. It's about a big power grab issue. And let's get as much money as we possibly can in the here and now. 
$1,400 checks, you know, look, I would like to see them actually put in place policies that really actually would make a difference. Why not lower taxes for every single American, right? Every single American, every single American small business owner so that they're incentivized to earn more rather than in this case, you get the $1,400 check. Okay, that's nice. What are you going to do next month, right? And the month after that and the month after that. In other words, we need a, a system that's sustainable, not just little handouts. Here you go along the way. That's what you call Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake. Trish Regan, everybody, check out the Trish Intel podcast. Trish, thanks for being here. Thanks, Buck. Two months into his term and President Biden is struggling to deal with multiple crises here on the home front. Is he faring any better on foreign policy? Cash Patel, the former acting chief of staff to the acting secretary of defense, gives us his assessment when we come back. I say it to foreign leaders and domestic alike. It's never, ever a good bet to bet against the American people. America is coming back. President Biden there making a bold proclamation of America's return. Return from what? I mean, what, what are we coming back from, Joe? Back from the uh, peace deals in the Middle East, uh, the Balkans, back from obliterating ISIS off the map in Syria, from isolating Iranian aggression, from no new wars. That's probably the single biggest one. Those all seem like pretty good things to me, or are they just bad because they happened under Trump's watch? The gaslighting that is occurring now under this new Biden administration, it's exhausting, to say the least. To help clear the spin, examine the Biden administration's foreign policy thus far and also things happening over at the DOD, I'm joined by the former chief of staff to the acting United States Secretary of Defense, Cash Patel. Cash, good to see you. Hey, Buck. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. So I wanted to talk to you about general foreign policy vision, Biden team, Biden approach versus Trump. But first, can I just ask you, with the, the news of the day right now that you had uh, the spokesperson for the Pentagon calling out Tucker Carlson, a cable news host, because he is being critical, or he was being critical of the DOD's focus on things like maternity flight suits and transgender surgery for those who are actively, who are, who are serving. Uh, does this make you uncomfortable? Somebody who was at the, the top ring of the DOD for a while, this seems like if it had happened three months ago, we'd be hearing about how fascism is here in America. <laughs> you know, that's a great way for me to relate to an individual, the DOD spokesman, who's also attacked me. So I guess I'm in good standing if he's attacking Tucker Carlson as well. But I think the DOD's focus has shifted entirely on the to the politicization of the Defense Department and their failure to support our men and women in uniform, our veterans, and to protect our uh, our borders. Basically, the fact that, and I'll give you one quick example, on day one, they terminated all of my employees who are on maternity and paternity leave just because they were Trump appointees. Now, if that's not the politicization of wow. men and women in form under me, I don't know what is. So from a man like the DOD spokesman to go after us for whatever he's saying without any facts, I don't put too much stock into it. How concerned should people be about wokeness now as a top-down mandate at the Pentagon under the Biden administration? 
Well, I think Americans as, as citizens have a right to be gravely concerned because they entrust the Department of Defense to protect them. I mean, that is the first, last, and biggest line of defense in the world. And the fact that they're talking about problems that they're making up, such as this white supremacy is rampant throughout the DOD, is just another example of the fact that instead of talking about Iran, China, Russia, the Middle East, our partners, our allies, countering terrorism, defending our borders, they're talking about uh, transgender issues in the DOD that don't exist. They're talking about white supremacy issues in the DOD that don't exist. Speaks to your point, Buck, because all they care about is wokeism, and apparently that's all the mainstream media cares about, but good thing we have folks like you to talk about issues of national security that actually matter. I mean, you were in the role of chief of staff to the Secretary of Defense for a time, Cash. W were you aware of major infiltrations of our armed forces by insurrectionist white supremacists? Because right now, Washington, D.C. has fencing and barbed wire and thousands of National Guard deployed in part because of that alleged threat, according to the corporate media. Yeah, first of all, I mean, I'm going to break some news here. I'm a minority. I'm a brown guy who served at the Defense Department. I was the first person of color to run the counterterrorism program at, at any White House, let alone the first minority to hold the, the chief of staff at the Defense Department, all of which happened under President Trump, not President Obama or President Biden. And so I would think I would know and be subjected to this rampant white supremacy that they are talking about uh, supposedly exists. And all it does is it bastardizes the uh, confidence our troops have in their leadership. The people that actually do the fighting, that do the warfare, that do the support to the warfighter, they are jeopardized by this blatant politicization of the people at the top who all they wanna do is satisfy the mainstream media. And it's really tragic and sad for America's defense. What are you seeing so far from the way the Biden administration is approaching things that is markedly different and when we're talking about defense specifically from national security issues i know it's only two months in but but what are they doing differently from what from what the trump administration was was obviously doing over the course of four years and how do you see this playing out what, what will their focus be yeah i think you're looking for whatever biden's uh, national security policy is and i would tell you i would be able to criticize it and so would others if he know what it was and told the American people what it was. But I haven't seen that come out of his Defense Department or out of his White House. And, to, and further compounding that problem is the fact that all they want to do is say, hey, our predecessor, President Trump, did A in national security, so we're going to do B. But that's not a national security strategy. That's the politicization of the defense of the United States of America at the cost of our men and women in uniform. And I don't think, and I haven't heard of a national security strategy that President Biden has laid out. He's not talking about China. He's not talking about countering President Xi or countering the rise in Iran of the Ayatollah or how he's gonna counter giving them money under the JCPOA, which we rightfully withdrew from. He's not talking about any resurgence of ISIS or Al Qaeda in Africa. These are major issues. He's not talking about hostage retrievals of which we we did 53 under President Trump. Those are national security policies and strategies that we executed. And I'm not hearing any of that. It's just, hey, Trump did A, so we're going to do B. What do the, the people that, that serve, people in uniform, when you were uh, working with them at the Pentagon, issues like climate change, I mean, we, we hear about this now, the Democrat administration, they speak about climate change as an urgent national security threat, you know, John Kerry, the climate czar is going around saying that we were completely 
asleep at the wheel on climate change for the last four years. I mean, do the people that actually have to count tanks and pay attention to nuclear missiles, are, are they secretly worried about climate change? I'm, I'm really curious. No, there's a certain faction of government that's supposed to pay attention to climate change, and it's not the Department of Defense. And for John Kerry to lecture the United States people on the implications of climate change while he's having secret meetings with Iranians during the Trump administration, probably in violation of acts that they accused Trump administration officials of doing, is the height of hypocrisy. Climate change has no place in the Department of Defense. There are multiple departments and agencies that take that up as they should on their own. But it is not a national security apparatus. It is another example of the media and the Biden administration taking a subject and politicizing it just so it gets covered and just so they can gaslight anything the Trump administration actually accomplished. Well, Cash. Hopefully we don't hit any big national security challenges because I uh, have very little faith in this Biden team. And it's because we already saw under the Obama administration how they actually do their business. But thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate your expertise. Thanks, Buck. See you soon. Almost time for our daily lightning round of stories that need some attention before we wrap up. Quick hits up next. Comes as no surprise to you that I love and respect our nation's protectors, men and women in the military, our veterans, our first responders. While there are many great programs out there designed to assist and provide treatment to our warriors in different capacities, one stands out above the rest, Warrior's Heart. Warrior's Heart is dedicated to healing our nation's warriors. They provide the first and only private accredited treatment program in the U.S. for warriors only. This is for military, veterans, and first responders faced with the self-medicating struggles of alcohol addiction, prescription and drug addiction, PTSD, mild traumatic brain injury, along with other recurring issues in a private 40-bed facility on a 543-acre ranch. More so, warriors are provided with a minimum 42-day peer-to-peer residential treatment program. Warriors Heart gives warriors the options of day treatment, outpatient, and sober living with a 60-day minimum. To reach their 24-hour hotline, dial 866-950-0636. That's 866-950-0636. And your call will be answered by a warrior. To learn more about their treatment center, go to warriorsheart.com slash the first. That's warriorsheart.com slash the first. The clowns at CNN claim Republicans are trying to return America to the segregation era. And Donald Trump continues to live rent-free in Chuck Schumer's head. We've got those stories in quick hits. Let's get right to it. This was pretty astonishing. Uh, Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon talking here about how the opposition to H.R. 1, the For the People Act of 2021, as the Democrats are calling it, which would effectively enshrine into federal law all of the last minute changes made during the pandemic year to voting, as well as getting rid of essentially all voter integrity measures as we know them, almost all of them, really, I mean, a ton of them, that somehow that opposition to H.R. 1 is, well, I'll let you hear it from CNN. If we go back to Jim Crow type laws in this country, you can't give food and water to people waiting online to vote. Yeah. You can't vote on Sundays. Souls to the polls. Ten times the amount of mm. minority voters as non-minority on Sundays. Yeah. And that's just the beginning. And that's just in Georgia, a very important state. Well, that's how you know you're not selling the right thing is when you can't win by playing fairly, that you have to uh, shape the rules um, in a way that 
will help you win. It's amazing. They're, they're talking about Republicans shaping the rules to help them win. We just saw massive expansions of mail-in balloting, elimination of voter integrity procedures, uh, expansion of early voting, even delayed voting, meaning after voting. I mean, what are we going to have, election year now? We can just have election year. But if you oppose election year, I'm just going to say that we're, we're returning the country to Jim Crow era laws. That's what, this, that's what the CNN pitch is here. I swear, I mean, it really does. It's, I can't say the country is getting dumber. The media is getting dumber, though. That is actually happening. Uh, Chuck Schumer, not a particularly honest fellow, as you may have already well figured out on your own, um, because the Democrats have a crisis at the border. It's very obvious. We all see it. It's there. The numbers, the visuals, we're aware of what's going on. And it's one they entirely invited. In fact, I would argue that for many Democrats, the situation at our southern border is their preferred outcome. They would like to see huge numbers of people making their way to the border, coming into the country illegally, and then staying here for the purposes of an eventual mass amnesty. But right now it doesn't look so good because Democrats know that a majority of the country isn't on board with their open border idea. So what's the go-to option when you're messing up and you're a Democrat? Blame it on Trump. Let me just say this. Joe Biden inherited a huge mess on immigration, and it's not going to be cleaned up in a month. He's only been in office, you know, since January 20th, about six weeks, I guess it is. Um, but he's different. His view of immigration is not like Donald Trump's, who was nasty, negative, uh, horrible to immigrants. His view is more like your father's view and my view, which is comp compassionate, but also competent. One of the problems with the Trump administration is they had such incompetence. So they are rolling up their sleeves and working on this. I think it will get better in the next few months. If it doesn't, I will go to them and say, you got to do better. Yeah, it's not going to get better, by the way. That's why he has to put that in there, because this is a mess and the Democrats can't fix it because for ideological reasons, they don't want to fix it. But notice that he just he, he folds into this all immigrants. We're talking about illegal immigration. We're talking about people that are breaking immigration law by coming here, not at a port of entry, entering the United States, and then effectively lying to immigration agents about how they need asylum when they don't really need asylum. They've been coached by the cartels that are bringing them into the country, and then they stay in the country illegally when they don't show up for their actual asylum hearing. Democrats like this. They have no problem with this. But the American people see this and they say, hold on a second. Maybe 30% of the country, maybe 25% of the country, of course, all Democrats and leftists like this idea. But about 55, 60, maybe 65% of the American people are like, no, we actually believe that there should be some immigration law. So what do you do? Blame Trump, who's not president anymore. You also can blame Trump, of course, on climate change, because, you know, Trump caused the virus, Trump caused climate change, Trump caused you know, people to sometimes have their, their toast come out of the oven, you know, the wrong color, whatever, right? I mean, blame Trump for everything. Here's John Kerry on climate change talking about how the previous administration did such a bad job. Well, we need, obviously, to make up for an inexcusable absence by the United States for the last four years, even as a lot of our mayors and governors continued to live by the Paris Agreement. But uh, needless to say, uh, we don't think we can just walk back in and say, hey, uh, we've got to earn our spurs. We've got to do things. But we're here because we need to work together. It is critical that Europe uh, and UK now uh, join together to be on the same page. We have to harmonize our efforts. 
I mean, he is the perfect climate change czar because it's just womp, 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 between going to mansions and flying around on private jets and hanging out on yachts. But he really cares about the planet, folks. It's not just some big vanity play. Sure. Anyway, that's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.